Hello, hello. Welcome back to Who Let the Dogs Out, a podcast where I chat life with cool people doing awesome things. In this episode, you'll hear from Wesley Chu, he, him, who we first met through learning Chinese on Friday nights with other Taiwanese families, probably starting when we were the age of four. Today, we talk a little bit about growing up in Troy, intentionality in all parts of our lives, especially through hobbies, work, and friends, life on a rotational program. We're both switching roles every six months, though he's moving locations yearly within Amazon and me every six months within Homa. Also, the future of humanity and doing what we can, along with catching up about some Troy people. Hope you enjoy. Hello, how's it going? Woohoo! Look at your legit mic, yo. It's looking good. I, uh, yeah, this is Eric Zhang's recommendation. Yeah, Does it what, sound good? what's up with that? Y'all gaming? It's for Polter? It's for live stream? What is this? Yeah, it's mostly just for gaming. We spend a lot of time talking to each other, so good to have a mic that doesn't sound like you're going through a drive-thru, you know? So you want good audio. Look at us leveling up in life with material goods. <laughs> this thing, it was like 40 bucks, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, fair. <laughs> Which is going to be like one one hundredth of your house price. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like I'm paying it all up front. I don't have the cash. It's the monthly mortgage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I still don't. I still am I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with that. I don't know if that's 100% going to happen still. No, that's cool. It's cool to have longer term goals though now. I feel timelines don't exist in the form of four months anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's been a weird time for me because I'm also, I know you're in a rotational program and I'm too. So it's been, I don't know, I haven't had to think long term for the past year and a half. And now I'm coming on the end of it. And so I probably should make a good financial decision by property, even if it isn't one that I'm going to live in. But it's difficult, especially out here in Seattle, where everything is super overpriced. And Yeah. How do you think about balancing that versus a car? Oh, you already have one. Yeah. So I got my the car that I had in Troy. I got it shipped out here, which was a experience. Seattle is not great for that. Like, you, it was weird. Dude, I saw the other day on Facebook, Amtrak, you can put your car in the storage for a hundred bucks. It's pretty good. On the Amtrak? Really? Yeah. I don't know if it's for legit. hundred bucks? hundred bucks. That's the same price as like a, like, I guess it depends on where you're going, right? Yeah, I think that is probably part of it. But it was saying like cross country stuff. I didn't take in that deep into it, but I might end up using that service at some point. Also, That's I didn't know your rotational program was moving around because I thought you were in Chicago for a bit. Yeah. First of all, the Amtrak thing is crazy because it cost me $1,400 to ship my car from Chicago over here. Yeah. So what? Okay. I know. Maybe. It is crazy. It is crazy. I don't know if your company paid or whatever, but our company does a lot of the relocation stuff. Like it's fully paid, but still. And you can yeah. just chill on the train and spend five days going cross country. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty sick. My company, they gave us just a lump sum of money. So it's just spend it however you want. So obviously I spend less and I get to keep more of it. But yeah, what was the other question? Rotational program. Yes. So my rotation program, I move positions every six months and then I move locations every year. So I spent the first year in Chicago. I was working in Amazon warehouses as a financial analyst. So I did one year in Chicago and then I moved out to Seattle where now I'm doing more corporate finance stuff. Interesting. So then it's four roles, two locations, two years done? Yeah. Some people do three locations. We had a couple people move from Seattle to Nashville, which is where the other 
headquarters is. I guess not headquarters, but for finance, it is a headquarters. Um, so yeah, but I didn't really want to move again. My one move was enough. Actually, I moved twice because I moved from one apartment that I was staying in this building to a smaller one because I travel a lot for work. I'm not here most of the times. So I'm like, why not take the smaller one, pay less rent? Makes sense. But, yeah. How often do you travel? What do you travel for? Do you like it? Yeah. So a lot of my travel is for work. I travel once a month for sure. And then sometimes more. So the team that I'm on right now. Okay. So I'm on this team for two months so far. And this team, I travel once a month and it's for like month and close or doing financial stuff. I want to be with the team, figure out how to like close out the books and talk to the other analysts, figure out what they're doing. So that's what I travel for. The team that I was on before was also under the same umbrella, but we we're doing different work. So it was like, I traveled a lot more just to be with my team. So the interesting thing is my team is actually not based in Seattle. Most of them are in Dallas or in Nashville. So I go to those two the most often and yeah, I like it. I obviously it's paid for. So I spend a week abroad. I get to eat whatever I want and it's all paid for. The travel benefits, I don't get travel benefits while I'm traveling, but I get free points. So it's a travel a couple of times for work and I get a free vacation somewhere. I also, sometimes I use it as a one-way ticket to go see a friend. So a couple, maybe a month ago, maybe two months ago, I went to New York to see some of the friends there. And uh, yeah, it's a good gig. I, I do, I get sick kind of often because like I'm traveling from Seattle to Dallas most of the time and the weather is so different. Obviously, you're going through an airport where it's not the cleanest of places. And so it does have its drawbacks, but I don't mind that much. I'm here most weekends. And even when I travel to places I travel to, I have friends there. So meet up with some people. And yeah, it's not bad. That's huge. Good to hear. Speaking of those friends in New York, do you want to talk about growing up in Troy to today? Okay. Yeah, let's start it. So Troy, let's see. We start off. I grew up, I was born, not in Troy, but I was born in Michigan. My parents are originally from Taiwan and my dad moved here right when I was born. Uh, he's an automotive engineer, so Michigan makes sense. And then my mom moved here with me shortly after. So I was born here and then I moved back to Taiwan for six months to a year. And then my mom took me over here and we've been living in Troy basically all my life. I met you in what, like kindergarten, I want to say? Even before, perhaps. Probably before. Am I no, the oldest you... friend that you've had on this podcast so far? That's a good question. You might be, because I don't think I've had anyone from our Chinese school year yet. You might be. Congrats. <laughs> Have you listened to others, by the way? Do you know? I've listened the... to a few. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. I know you start with the... Yo, we're... Hey. <laughs> That's the other <laughs> that I do later. The very the late... Intro, yeah. But yeah, the goal is that you can say pass for whatever you want. So that's, yeah, that's all. But you know the vibe, man, if you've listened. <laughs> yeah, we're good. I've been on, I've done these things. Not yeah. podcasts, but I've been on a lot of panels. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. You're too advanced for this. Panels and the mic, you are plenty good. So yeah, just friend on the podcast so far. Good work. Until you have, what, Serena, Jess? <laughs> are they on the list? At some point, yes. <laughs> okay, good. But yeah, so grew up in Troy, went to high school with all of our friends. And then I went to Michigan, where I initially was studying computer science, more 
it wasn't really my choice. It was more of a, hey, everyone else is doing computer science. My parents want me to do computer science. So I'm going to go into, and I got into the college. I was like, why not? But I also got into business school, pre-admit, and it wasn't originally my plan, but I ended up switching to do business as my major, computer science as a minor. And I did a couple of internships abroad for business. So I went to India and then I went to Hong Kong where I actually, I think it's, yeah, I saw you once in Hong Kong. That was fun. And then we went to, I guess I just stayed with, I went, I did an internship with Amazon and I decided to come back to Amazon and that's where I've been so far. Damn. Did a year in Chicago, like we talked about, and now I'm in Seattle. You wrapped that up really quickly. <laughs> what? Are you, what? <laughs> no, that was good. That was good. Because yesterday, so yesterday, Haywan interviewed me, and I swore I talked for 10 minutes maybe on just the journey. And I was like, wow, my friends have been really good about just summarizing their experiences faster than me. But that was nice. Yeah, I mean, it's an <laughs> intro. We can go into anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed, agreed. agreed. Okay, let's go chronological because my brain works that way. How do you think growing up in Troy shaped some of the values you have today? What do you think are some of the things that you vibe with the most now and the least? Okay, so Troy, it was a very comfortable city. Obviously, it's a huge, we were very like privileged. Bubble. Yes, it was a bubble, but it was also like a privilege to be able to grow up as mostly immigrant families in an environment that wasn't prejudiced toward, against us. It was also very safe, right? Obviously, Detroit is not, but it, we were far away that it was nothing like Detroit. But yeah, we grew up in an environment where we were taught, hey, follow what everyone else is doing, but try to do it better. If that makes sense. Very high achieving. It was like, Hey, where we weren't doing things for ourselves. Okay. So I won't use we, I'll say me. I wasn't doing anything for myself. I was doing things because other people were doing them and I was a competitive person or my parents were pushing me to be competitive. And that competitiveness has stayed, which I think is a good thing. I would like to say that I'm high achieving. I think something that you said on a podcast with Ricky, I believe I listened to that one, that really resonated with me was like, I think that at this point in my life, my own bar of where I want my achievements to be is enough for anyone that I'm going to work for, right? Because I, yeah, again, I'm high achieving just because of the environment that we grew up in. What is negative about that is that I didn't really do anything for myself. So even through college, a lot of the work that I was doing was laid out for me. It wasn't, hey, I want to do this. And that's something that I've had to figure out in the past year or two. Um, weirdly enough, once I started work, I had more free time. So now I'm going to work, I come home and I realized about a year and a half ago, I don't have what I would consider to be hobbies, like real hobbies, right? Because growing up in Troy, it was either stuff that I do for school, right? Which is stuff that my parents were like, that's important. You have to get that done. And then things that I would do that weren't school, but was still for achievement, right? I did sports, music, clubs, but that wasn't because I wanted to do them. It was because, hey, you can be like the top person in this club, or you can 
win these competitions and do this stuff. And it was for the ultimate goal of advancing in my you know, eventual career. And then I would also do things that were to rebel against that and to de-stress. So video games, I played video games because my friends would do them and my parents didn't like me doing it. It wasn't necessarily because I like to play video games. I enjoy it. And But if I were to be by myself and say, what do you want to do? I wouldn't say video games. So a lot of the past and a half has been figuring out what I like to do. And I realized when I was in Troy, the thing that I did that was most similar to a hobby that I would say I did purely for enjoyment was actually skiing. So skiing was something that we did for, I don't know, 14, 15 years of my life. We did it every weekend. We just go up, drive 30 minutes to an hour to Pine Knob. Not a huge, huge mountain, but it was fun. It was good. And so I came out to Seattle and halfway through winter, I had my dad send my skis over. And so I've been going skiing here, which is absolutely amazing. I can drive an hour and it's just a huge mountain going down 10 minute runs and going at 40 miles an hour. I haven't skied in six years, but it came back so fast and it's been a great time. So yeah, just kind of figuring out what I like to do, which when I was in Troy, ironically, even though I was so comfortable and I could technically do whatever I wanted, I didn't really ever think about that aspect of life. Yeah. Amazing, y'all. No, you articulated that very well. And we should definitely go skiing together at some point. That would be super fun. Yeah, see, you have cooler things with you right now. I'm still battling with these fucking crutches. So we're getting... <laughs> yeah, I got my skis. I don't have much room. So my skis are like literally just up against the side of my wall. That's amazing. No, you're reminded of it daily. I think the point about perfecting our hobbies throughout school is super bad. Like, if I think there was a lot of us and... A lot of these podcast episodes, I feel like we talk about that. Curious to get your take on that order of life events, if you will. Like we were in this really safe environment to develop these skills and experiences. And now that puts us in a position to have more free time during work, as you said, more money, more ability to think for ourselves for what we want. What if you think throughout school there was more emphasis on figuring out what it is you actually want instead of following? these carved out paths. Yeah. In college, I think is when a lot of people get that free time. I was so stuck in what my parents wanted me to do and what I was watching everybody else around me do. And I was still stuck in that mindset of just achieving instead of exploring that didn't get to do a lot of that exploring that a lot of people do in college. And it's completely my fault. I chose to do a double major for absolutely no reason. But yeah. Can you repeat your question? I lost yeah. my thought. What if, like, what do you think would have been the impact if Troy maybe had more of that emphasis on exploring? And then maybe this will be easier answer is what environment would you want to pass on to your future family or kids or if all of that is in your picture too? Yeah. I, so Troy, it is a little difficult to say that we should be more focused on exploring. I think the values that we picked up from just simply saying, do, it was like, it's more like just do the best that you can at your, at whatever you do, yeah. which is fine. That by itself. I think the fact that we were prescribed what we wanted to do is more the problem. Obviously what I turned out different if I was exploring more in Troy, but 
also figuring out how to find little bits of freedom and exploration within the confines of Troy also was a huge learning point. Yeah, I wouldn't say that I would change how I grew up. I think I wish I'd started exploring a little bit earlier, but also, no, I, even when I say that out loud, I don't know, because now is when I'm secure enough in my career, like not fully secure, but I know I'm not going to fall on my face anymore. And so career-wise, I'm okay. Financial-wise, I have enough money to spend. And so this is the point in my life where I can actually start to explore safely. So for me, I actually wouldn't change it because I do think that being achievement-oriented was not necessarily the problem. I think, yeah, like finding hobbies and exploring is something that I had to eventually do by myself anyway. So even if in Troy, they were like, oh, try all these different things. I wouldn't know what to do my, with myself, probably. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Interesting. Cool. All right. Maybe pivoting a little bit. Tell me about India. Where in India, how was that experience? Would you consider living abroad for a while? More India was an interesting. So I didn't really, I didn't do a full internship there. It was more of a, hey, let's visit a new country, learn about how mm -hmm. they do business and get a little bit of a taste of what business in a different country is. And so through that lens, I went through a program with my school and we were there for two and a half to three weeks. So it wasn't a very long time, but we visited three different cities in India and we visited a bunch of companies. And my main takeaway was just how different the goals of these companies were, right? Their focus is around helping their community, building up the infrastructure needed for them to succeed in the future. And they were able to find ways to make money off of doing that. It's crazy. It, the things that they were doing were absolutely crazy to us. They were like, oh, yeah, we give out phones to everybody that needs them or something like that. And it was like, I don't understand how that works, but it makes sense that they need to do that for people to be able, like for their country to grow, basically. And they're invested in that. And that was really cool to see and is something that I think I've really valued going forward, like making sure that the company that I work at is one that gives back to the community or puts an emphasis on, hey, we need to keep up our sustainability practices and, and work for giving back and not just for profit of the shareholders. Fair enough. So how loyal do you think you are to Amazon and oh, not at all. your oh coworkers as well? No? Not at all. I, so I don't know if you feel the same way, but the fact that I'm in a rotational program, I move every six months. And so that's taught me like every team that I've left has been fine. I can leave for a month and Amazon's going to keep running. It's not like I am achieving things, right? I'm contributing. I'm doing actions that technically save millions of dollars. But at the end of the day, what do I do? I move boxes. And that that realization is pretty interesting. It's like, yes, I'm working in this huge corporate company. But at the same time, like this company does not really, in a way, like need me, right? So how do I take advantage of my time at this company and the connections that I've made is how I approach it. So I've been lucky enough that a lot of the people at Amazon that I've worked under have had the same kind of mindset. They're like, don't do this job because you want to be drinking from the Amazon 
or cooler or whatever, do this job because Amazon is a huge, huge corporation with just so many opportunities for you to grow. So I've approached each rotation of I'm doing this project because I'm learning something from it. I'm getting visibility to high level leaders, or I'm learning how to code in different languages or do different financial analyses or expand my scope to think about worldwide view compared to just one site. So I think it's actually very common at Amazon for people to think that way because again, one, attrition is really high, right? Amazon moves super fast. The job is really demanding. And so people leave all the time. People move to different teams. And so there's no real expectation of you should be loyal to this team or you should be loyal to this thing. It's finish a project. And then if there's a better opportunity somewhere else, go for it. Like my past, so I've had three managers. None of them are in the same position that they were when I was under them. One person moved to AWS, one person moved to robotics, one is moved to a different region. And so, yeah, I have no loyalty to the company, if you want to put it that way. Like everything that I do is for myself to make myself a more marketable person. And yeah, it's not like I hate my job. I what I do, I make a big impact. And but at the end of the day, my my end goal is not to really stay at Amazon. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I'm just moving up generally. I think I have like short-term goals. I want to go get my MBA, MBA at some point after I get to a certain point in the company and achieve a certain amount of stuff. But yeah, like right now is a huge point a huge turning point in my career because I'm coming out of this rotational program and I'm like figuring out where I want to go long-term. And I've been doing a lot of like interviews with people who have opened job positions or have seen me. I recently got promoted. So a bunch of people have been like reaching out and are like, Hey, we have a spot on our team. Do you want to join us? We have whatever opportunities. And it's, yeah, it's really interesting because the rotational program is unique because you go into the job with the expectation that you're going to leave, right? It's not, oh, you're here to stay. I'm going to give you something that you need to do for the rest of your time here. So when I do these interviews, I'm asking questions that I think are more to reveal what exactly I would be doing on that team. And a lot of times people can't answer that, right? Because a lot of people, they just want another body like they don't care that it's you. They don't really care what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. If I ask, hey, what am I going to be doing? What what projects do you have? How am I going to grow? And if they can't really answer those with specific examples of projects that they're doing, or like one question I ask is, hey, what is the biggest problem that your team is facing right now? And why is it not solved? And if it's something like, oh, we just don't have enough people, that's not a reason for me to join your team. You just want another person, right? And so- if I were to have loyalty to Amazon, I'd be like, okay, sure, I'll do it. Pay me a little bit more and I'll do it. But that's not why I'm here. I'm learning for myself. And yeah, that nobody at Amazon is going to say like that they really have a problem with that, which is nice. Yeah, no, I feel you very hard on that. That makes sense. So it seems like you're exploring different roles within Amazon right now, but Seattle feels like the short-term home for a little bit, at least a couple of years. How'd you decide on that? Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that because Seattle, for my first couple of months, I did not like. So Seattle is very different from my mental model of what a big city is. Because like my my experience with big cities is like New York, Chicago. And Chicago, obviously I lived 
in, I lived there, I lived in the suburbs. Every weekend I was going to the city and hanging out with friends. And Seattle is not like that at all. There is very little nightlife. And even when there is a nightlife, it's like kind of boring. Everybody is home by 1 a.m. And there is no late night food, which is absolutely crazy. Like you can't get pizza at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., which is a travesty. But so, yeah, I think the first few months I actually approached it just incorrectly. I was still in the mode of go to work, come back, relax. And then during the weekends, I go out, which that's a fine schedule for a lot of people. But for me and for Seattle, it doesn't work. But recently, since I've started to go skiing, I've started to go hiking, I've started to just go on walks around the place. Like It has really changed my perspective of what Seattle is and what it offers. Like I have a rooftop that looks over the bay and you can see mountains, you can see the ocean. It's absolutely amazing. So I've been spending my mornings just sitting up there either having, I used to have coffee, but at this point it's like a bowl of cereal because coffee has not been sitting well with me recently. But yeah, I'm starting to like it a lot more. I think the city itself, the pros are really good. The cons are also really bad. So starting with the cons, there's a huge homeless um, problem in Seattle and it's crazy how bad it's gotten. Yeah, the public transportation, while fine, it also doesn't work as well as it could obviously super expensive. I have a KFC right next to me. And if I want to go and get like a combo meal, it's $15. Why would I spend $15 at a KFC? And it's just small things like that kind of annoy me. But in general, city is small enough that you can get from one place to the other in 15 minutes. There's a beach 15 minutes from where I live. I can go hiking, go skiing. There's a lot of events in Seattle that are cool. So went to a chocolate festival celebration thing the other week, just eight chocolate like my body's weight worth of chocolate it's a great time it's different um the way that people enjoy seattle in my point of view is like you either have a significant other and you do everything with them and you stay inside and you are happy together which is great it's it's a different perspective from what i have but that is one way people enjoy seattle and then the other way is like you live more of an isolated life, not isolated, independent, where you have multiple things that you do, multiple friend groups, and you're not really tied down to one group or one specific thing. Whereas in other big cities like Chicago or New York, you're either like working or you're partying, right? And that's at least my experience with it. So yeah, getting to Seattle and knowing how to love the city has been a huge journey for me. At this point, I really like the Pacific Northwest. I might move out of the city. Again, I could drive to the city and enjoy it that way. I don't really get much out of being here. There's plenty of suburbs that have views that are just as great, parks that are just as great, and driving to mountains and stuff is about the same. And it's less expensive in the suburbs by a little bit. But yeah. That's you, Jim. Good to hear. Question for you, though. You've been in oh, yeah. Brazil for a while. How are you liking your situation and everything. Dude, I've only been here for a week and it's been fucking wild. So I'm coming off of the probably hardest month of my life with the surgery in New Jersey, like absolutely horrid. I just didn't realize the amount of physical labor it is to survive without a limb, the amount of pain and mental just fortitude that pretty much all my joyous channels were gone, right? Like I love just exploring out in the world, walking in the park, whatever. And I couldn't do anything and 
at that point, I didn't have too many friends in Jersey, a couple in Penn that came up from Philly, some in New York, it was really nice. Ended up being fine because I met this boy who was so key to literally my survival and keeping me mentally alive. And that's where this podcast was born out of as well. So anyway, I am just so happy to have my two feet in a new country. I just feel like such a new human and not knowing the language yet, which I'm very, like, I've been practicing and trying to learn for about three months now. It was the silver lining of foot surgery. Like I had nothing to do. So I was just Googling and trying to learn Portuguese all day. There's something about that element of really designing all parts of your life that has been so wonderful. And everything is so affordable. Like my lifestyle is inflated, Wesley. I'm going to send you a video of my place. Like it's actually insane. So if you want to take down a trip here, Serena just booked her tickets for around Labor Day. And I know Drew and Ingrid and KK want to visit at some point as well. You are more than welcome to come and bring two, three bodies. I literally don't care. This place is huge. I live on my own, right in the center of everything, super close to the office. I've been in such a whole phase here as, as well. Like it's literally only been a week and I am just breaking <laughs> and meeting. That's crazy. So it has been wonderful. And I feel the beauty of the rotational program is that like it makes you realize how many parts of your life you really can design. And yeah, that comes with a lot of privilege and money, but here I feel like I can afford and, and the amount of physical space that I have is just insane. And so like tonight, I'm about to maybe go to this meetup group just to meet other people in the area, randoms. But honestly, I'm like, am I really that motivated? Just like, I'm just happy being independent and doing my own shit. I'll meet up one-on-one. -on -one. But the element of just like having lame, drunk friends around me, I don't fuck with that anymore. Like, I don't, I'd rather just do this, edit my little podcast. That has been my one hobby, I think, that has been come out throughout this time. But yeah, it's a, it's been a huge 180. But I think part of it is because I had such a tough time with foot surgery that literally all I needed was my two feet here. So it's made me more grateful for everything for sure. But yeah, I am privileged for sure. And so jealous. That's good to hear. Good to hear that you're living your life, even with the struggles that you've had to go through. Yeah. Okay. How do you feel? Because I feel before foot surgery, things were handed to me in life. Yeah, I worked hard. Yeah, I had some creative things. Yeah, pandemic was difficult in its own way. But in all of these, I always felt equipped to tackle whatever. And I always felt, oh, shit, I was always getting the best experiences. Even during pandemic, I was like, how did I come out with all these stories and experiences? And I feel like I was always living with a little bit of guilt, being like, what did I do to deserve this? But now I... I feel I've actually gone through something difficult in life and I'm able to release a little bit of that guilt and just enjoy what I have here, which is a lot. So I don't know. Do you think there's a big challenge like that in your life? And also, do we even need it? Like, why don't we feel justified and okay with having a lot of these things? Yeah, I do. I definitely feel that. I think, yeah, you put it pretty well. Yes, our childhood is what, equipped us to do with this we did have to work decently hard for it but it's also like you said a lot of these things have just fallen towards me and i just happen to lean over and pick it up it's not like i'm running sprinting at just constantly it is a combination of how lucky we've been and also the fact that we are cognizant enough and 
motivated enough to take advantage of these things. I think for you, at least the way that I see it, a lot of people that if they were given the same opportunities that you have, they would not have lived their life the way that you have. Like you're somebody that enjoys finding new things and exploring for yourself and doing these things. And that's not how a lot of everybody is. Some people are completely fine with just staying in one place, building their community there. And that's totally fine, but it's also a completely different experience. So yeah, I do think that the quality of what's given to us is a bit of luck and a lot of privilege, but it also has to do with you and the choices that you've made. So I don't know if guilt is necessarily healthy, but I do get what you're saying. Yeah. No, agreed. Agreed. I think guilt nah, was more during pandemic when people were literally dying. I was surfing. Yes. What the fuck? Otherwise, yeah. though, instead of that, it's yeah, you feel privileged, but I also feel I'm like making the most out of a lot of these things. So yeah, maybe guilt was it. I guess finding that balance between just like enjoying, just like truly just enjoying things. Yeah, it is a little difficult to try to enjoy yourself when you know, hey, I've been given these opportunities and I should be making the best of them. That I do understand. As long as you're doing what you can, there's a limit to how much you can contribute to the good of of people around you. And as long as you find that happy balance, I think that's really the most that you can concern with. Yeah. So when is your six months over? September? End of September. Okay. But dude, thinking about our lives in the form of PTO is so sad. Yeah, it is. But uh, like, how much do you get a year? I don't even know. It's been a while since I looked at it. I've been lucky enough that I can flex my time and my manager doesn't care. As long as I get my shit in. And you can work remotely, et cetera. Yeah, for now. They're making us go back into the office soon. but. Yeah, but make, so do you think Amazon has more power over the employees? With all the union stuff as well. I honestly don't read up as much as I probably should have an opinion on it. I don't have that strong take, but if you have a strong take, would love to hear. Let's say Amazon, you have to return. What happens if employees are like, yeah, fuck that though? I don't really have a strong opinion, but here is what my skip level has said to me basically. So when they said return to office, one, it's three to three days out of the week. So three out of five days. So you still have two days that you can be remote. My main annoyance with this is the fact that I, so the place that I live is a 10 minute bus ride from Seattle offices, but my office is based in Bellevue, which I would have to either drive 30 minutes or take a bus for an hour to get over there. And that drive itself, I don't mind. What I mind is the fact that I have to now find parking when I get over there, if I drive over there and parking for some stupid reason, even if I park in an Amazon parking lot, I have to pay like 75 to a hundred dollars a month and I can only spend half of it. So that's, I'm, it's mainly because I'm spending money to go to work. I don't want to do that. That's the thing I have the problem with. I don't mind spending my day in the office. Like my first year, I went to the office every day. I drove an hour to get to the office because I had to be there because my business partners are there. And I also, I do think I work better in the office. But again, if I have an office 10 minutes away from me by bus, why would I go to the one farther away? So that's what I have a problem with. The other thing about Amazon having power over its people, Amazon... This might be a hot take, but I think that with how people have gotten used to the idea of like work-life balance. And I actually think that even with the most rigorous jobs at Amazon, there is opportunity for work-life balance if you're not like asking for too much, right? 
lot of people, I think, especially in the cohort of people that are currently graduating, work-life balance has kind of come like a buzzword. And so I'm a mentor to a couple of these people and they're like, oh, they're making me work from more than the eight to five that I think is necessary for my work-life balance. Working eight to five is not what the definition of work-life balance is. It's a give and take. It's a little bit of, hey, maybe I'll work till seven one night and then get off at three the other, right? Or I'll work super hard, but I'll also go and party super hard. Like that, like work-life balance is, you have to find the balance. It's not necessarily given to you. And so I'm a little bit of a more intense person. (laughs) So I think that a lot of the, the complaints that people might have are a little bit blown out of proportion or kind of coming from a position of privilege. Yes, your mental health is important, 100%. But if my manager is giving me, and they are two days a week of just take two hours to yourself on both of these days, right? Do whatever makes you happy, whatever you need to do for your mental health. I will not message you. No one will message you. Take these days for yourself. Like that to me is generous, right? I guess at this point, people have seen that, oh, this company has, I don't know, bean bags and a sleeping area in their company. Why don't you do that? And it's like, that that's not normal, right? Five, 10 years ago, that wasn't normal. It's The bar has been moved so far and it's, yeah. And it has to do again a lot with how we've grown up where I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you don't want to work. That is what I'm thinking. And people, I don't know. I I do also know that I'm a bit, I wouldn't say workaholic, but I do not mind working a little harder. I know that I get the recognition for it. So I don't mind. In terms of the strikes and stuff, a lot of it is fair. There are certain sites within Amazon that are not run as well as they should have. So the sites that I've been at, luckily, have been all run by great people. They've been ex-military, and so they know the value of safety, of running not only like an efficient ship, but one that people actually want to be at. They know how to foster a happy and effective workforce. And so strikes that are happening at certain sites are ones that are like probably not the best performing or top most safe sites or whatever. But there's a lot of give and take here because if you, like they're asking for higher wages and I think for safer conditions or better conditions, a lot of it, there's a balance between the two, right? Because if somebody wants to be listening to music during work, that distracts them and it takes away from their safety. So for us who are working at these sites and managing them, we see these things and we're like, if one person gets hurt because music is blaring and they couldn't hear like the truck coming down, we can't play music, right? Somebody got run over by a truck because of music. So we can't do that. But then people are like, oh, why'd you take the music away? And we're not going to say, someone got run over. One, that's not great for morale. And two, it's like, logically it makes sense, but that's not going to make sense to them because they aren't necessarily logical people. And, you know, that that's a whole thing of like, how do we appease associates? Anecdotally, we give raises fairly frequently. And also the minimum wage for Amazon associate is way above minimum wage of the country, which is pretty crazy. But it's if we give a raise to a certain group of associates, like we have, we we basically say, if you work from zero time to a year, you're in a certain group, one year to two years in a certain group, two plus or whatever, five plus, whatever. And so we give raises to each group individually. But also if we give a raise to say the people that are in the zero to one year group, 
and not to anybody else, they're complaining. They're complaining about getting a raise or not even to anybody else, but we give, say, a dollar to one group, 80 cents to another group, 75 to another group. They're complaining about getting a raise, which is, I don't know. It's very hard to set expectations and appease everybody. So yeah, it is definitely hard to find a balance. It's also, uh, it's a hard job to have. I don't envy the people that have to run those sites, but also part of it is a lot of the people that we have to work with are people who aren't fully invested in their job for good reason. You're moving boxes. And so like we have to do things like at each station, we have to spell out exactly what you're doing. We have to put warnings and labels and everything. And a lot of times it makes them feel dumb. Like we don't respect them or something. And that's fair. But again, if one thing goes wrong for one person, we, as the leaders of that place, we have to do our due diligence and say that won't happen again because we have to put safety measures in place. So things like padding the racks that we have, people have been like, oh, that makes me feel like a child. Why are you putting padding on there? It's because you won't hit your head if we have padding there. What are you talking? Yeah, sorry, I'm getting heated. Some of the things that they say are, it's ridiculous, but there are also good points. Wow, yes. fascinating. I'm glad we had all that come out. That was wonderful. <laughs> I feel that was the most in your voice so far. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We've had some crazy people go through. <laughs> Wild. All right, another pivot. You're well, disabilities nowadays. Well, even just in Seattle, it's been what menu. I don't know how to say that. Well, I'm not going to say that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's okay. Still the star of our class for sure, based on that. I don't know about that. <laughs> I've forgotten everything. It was literally just like pattern recognition and repetition drilled yeah. into my head Absolutely. yeah is language and chinese as a skill that you have important to you how do you think that plays into work career business as well yeah i think it's nice to have obviously not very not obvious but it doesn't play a huge part in my job or my daily life but it is useful to be able to speak and understand when people are talking in Chinese, I've tried to learn other languages, but my brain just don't work that way. I can't learn languages if I'm not actively in the environment where that language is being used. I've tried to learn French. I've tried to learn Spanish, tried to learn Korean, Japanese, and I just cannot keep up with it. It's a lot. I feel you. Learning languages is mentally the most difficult thing I've ever done, I would say. And I wonder if that was just how our brain was trained throughout Trace, different side of the brain. But as with any other thing that you set your mind to and you put the right environment, you could do it. It's just, there's not that motivation or acceleration, right? For you right now. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It also makes me appreciate the fact that our parents had to learn English. And also <laughs> like, I understand now the struggle that they're going through. Cause when I was growing up, it was, I don't know about you, but when I'm thinking in a different language, I was not consciously thinking in English and translating it to Chinese now that I've stepped away from using Chinese, I do a little bit more of that thinking in English. And yeah, it is a little harder for me to now <laughs> converse and in, in that. So yeah, now I definitely understand the struggle that they have had to gone through in, in learning English. Yeah, word. for sure, for sure. And all the other things of just immigrating, right? <laughs> I think that's such a contrast of the safety bubble environment that we were 
raised in with the mindset of just you're following this track to achieve these things. But that's not what they did. They very much went off the path and flying out of their nest with so much fewer information than we know now with Google ability to just learn. So I think that is wild and is definitely a tense dynamic between my parents and me because they're like, why do you do all these things? Why do you like, why do you take talk? Why, why are you taking a gas semester? There's nothing going on in the world. Why, like, why are you working for this startup? Why are you going to Brazil? Why? And I'm like, dude, none of this even measures to you guys showing up in U.S. Two luggages, barely knowing language. To be fair, they have the structure of school, right? But I still have the structure of the program. I have the structure of my friends deciding what we want to do in the time when the world didn't know what was going on. I think that's crazy. That mindset what happened with all our parents, I feel like, no? Yeah. Do you want me to get into my parents and our the relationship I have with them? Because that could be a whole podcast by itself, I think. I can give my two cents real quick on it if you want, or if yes. you want to move on. But yeah, you know my mom. You've, you've interacted with her a good amount, I think. Yeah. She is the stereotypical kind of Asian tiger mom with all the dials turned up to 11. She's definitely gotten a little bit better over the years. Edison graduated from college or not yet? Not yet. Got He's it. got one more year after this. Okay. He got his internship. He's actually going to New York this summer. I had a lot of conflict with my parents. Like you said, logically, none of what they say makes sense, right? <laughs> my mom was a music professor at a college in Taiwan, which in Taiwan, music professor makes a ton of money. She has a PhD. My dad has a PhD. And so there, my dad came to work in an automotive industry where the US, US automotive is now not prestigious or anything, right? It's okay, great. You're just coming here to be in America, basically. And it's crazy because everybody else in both my parents' families are still in Taiwan or at most have gone to Japan, which is like, what I don't know how long of a flight, but it's four hours or something. It's not anything. But yeah, like you said, they're not doing things that were stereotypical for them when they were growing up. And so I think a lot of it has to do with the values that they had. Their reason for doing what they did was very different in their eyes from our reasons for doing what we do. So my dad is moving to America because it's a better financial environment or opportunities for themselves and for us. And my mom is kind of going with him because it's partly her duty as like a they were married in Taiwan? Yes. Ah, yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. So they actually met here, I believe, when they were going to school here in Colorado. Oh, okay. But yeah, married in Taiwan and they lived there for a while. But yeah, so their reasoning doesn't really make any sense. But it's, <laughs> yeah, I've had to learn over the past couple of years of how to compartmentalize my relationship with my parents in a way that doesn't make me mad every time I talk to them. It's a multi-step process where when I was in college, my mom obviously wanted me to stay as a computer science major because she thought that business means no technical skills and no technical skills means no application in my career in the workforce. So that was a huge point, but I persevered and got through that. And yeah. now my brother was flip-flopping between CS and business. My oh. mom didn't give a shit. Like my mom was like, okay, yeah, just do what you want. Like whatever. And it's partly because she saw that I can be successful in doing yeah. what I want in college. And my brother 
he doesn't have as many achievements as I did when I was in high school, but he is 100% more motivated when he finds something that he wants to do. Yeah. I would say I'm like a well-rounded individual. He is really good at what he does. And the sad part of, again, growing up in Troy is my parents were forcing my brother to do things, right? Play violin, go play soccer, do whatever else. Yeah. My brother didn't like any of that. Yeah. But, and so- because of that, they were like, oh, you're not as good as your brother, or you need to try better. You need, you're going to fail in life. And it's no, you just don't know what he likes to do because you never asked. And it was crazy because in his first year of college, he's gotten into a business frat. He's got into a consulting club, which I didn't get into. He is now the president of his business frat, I believe. And he does things the way that he wants. He's got a great group of friends and people love him. So like, why... At this point, yeah. I believe that my parents have seen that and been like, oh, how did we not see this? But also, if you understand that's not going to change, because as long as I live, she's going to be my mother. Yeah. That also means that as long as she lives, I'm going to be her son, yeah. which comes with a certain way of interacting with each other. And I think that especially with the way that they grew up, that doesn't change. Like he got a 3D printer and he was super into designing things in the last year of high school. He was printing things, selling things, making some money off on the side, I believe. I don't know if he's actually, but he he was really into it. And he made like a functioning like model hand. And I was like, what the hell? But yeah. And I knew because he was having conversations with me and having conversations with other people. I knew he knows what he's wanting to do. And that's huge going to college. He's going to have a good time. He's fine. And so all that to say, that I do believe that my mom specifically has gone through a lot of change internally. And I do have to like, recognize that and respect that she's putting in the effort. But again, the way that I approach things with my friends, uh, whenever we have conversations or we're talking about things, a lot of it is going to be based on the fact that we have similar ways of thinking and similar emotions, how we approach things. People in general are not like that. People are very emotional beings and you can't really win somebody over with just logical explanations yeah. a lot of the time. And that's something that I learned through, I read a book. I can, it can be my content recommendation later and we can talk <laughs> about it. But basically it was talking about like how to one receive criticism and deal with that, how to how have disagreements in a healthy way that doesn't alienate people and was able to apply that to my relationship with my parents. So it's, yeah, it's hard to explain. Good for you. Have you gone to therapy before? I have not. I did go to therapy for a while. Yes, I guess, technically. I went to two online therapy sessions, yeah. but I wouldn't say I went to therapy. I didn't really vibe with the therapist, and it was also, yeah. it wasn't great. A lot of my college situation was like, I had really bad anxiety. I could not sleep for the longest time. I was an insomniac to the maximum. So I was in therapy for that, but a lot of that, I realized it was going to have to be a lot of self-exploration because the problems I was facing was like, I don't know. We, we it just, the therapists I talked to, I guess just weren't for me. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. No, this is my first real go at it as well. I've gone like a session here, free at school, a session there. And I didn't vibe with any of them either. And I think it actually made me act way out of control. And I was like, yeah, fuck therapy. Like they're just there to validate what you say. But no, this person mm -hmm. actually found I was like helpful and whatever. But yeah, I don't know. But these things, this timeline with that sort of like mental shift, especially with someone who is 
like in a way forced to be alive, right? Like you were saying. Like that amount of just patience and redefining what progress means is so different than in any other aspect of our lives, right? Things move faster than that. We expect us ourselves to move faster than that and improve a lot. So I think that's such a shift. I've come to the f- terms of like, my parents are, for better or worse, they're going to be in Troy for the rest of their lives, unless until they like retire or they stop being able to care for themselves. Whatever it is, they're not moving anytime soon. And like, for me, I've come to the point where it's, I'm fine with just going along with what they've decided for their lives because it's not going to change. It's not worth it for me to really fight against it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Definitely is like, I would rather have a good relationship with my parents, even if it isn't a hundred percent like real and genuine rather than just having to fight with them every time. I think you had such a good sentence there that maybe just summarize how I'm feeling. I think I'm reaching the point that I would prefer honesty and openness and genuineness than playing along. And maybe that is what I need to explore for myself. So I don't know. Because none of my other relationships are like that. And I think even through this podcast and how I interact with friends, you said you're intense at work. I think I'm as well, but I think I'm also intense about relationships. There needs to be intentionality. And I like questions and I like answers. And if that's not part of a relationship, then like, it just feels a little bit too surface level. And I guess then how does that apply with my parents? So I don't know. That was a great aha moment for me that you spurred. Oh, glad I could help. You know. <laughs> Super helpful. Want to do the classic lightning round? Sure. Yeah. Beautiful. What is one thing that you wish everyone knew? Yeah, I've heard this and it's so hard to come up with a good answer. But I think for me right now, probably just, I wish that people knew how to say what's on their mind and disagree. I think a lot of the conflicts that I've had recently have been because somebody isn't willing to say what's on their mind, not willing to step out and say, hey, I don't want to do this. For example, we're in Seattle and when I moved here, I had a... Oh, sorry. It's a speed round. Okay. We can go back to that if you want. But yeah, just being when you don't want to do something and don't go with it just because you feel like you have to. Um, Nobody is happier because of that. You're not happy. You're, you bring other people's moods down. It's not, yeah. No, say the story. It doesn't actually have to be lightning round. Okay. All right. Yeah. I moved here and there were about five people in my cohort that also moved here. And so we were just default friends, right? People that were in the same boat as me, but a lot of our interests didn't perfectly line up. So some of us wanted to go out and go to bars. Some of us didn't like to do that, but they didn't have their own opinions, right? They, they weren't like, oh, let's do this instead. Let's do that. So we just went. And again, by default, they were invited and they came along. And a lot of the times it's, we're having fun. We're having drinks, talking, having whatever, going to the club and they're standing off to the side, like sipping on their thing, being quiet. And it's, dude, why are you here? Just go home and do what you want to do or at least suggest something else. It's not like we were like, oh no, you have to come. You have to do this. It's like, just you're bringing our vibe down and you're not having a good time. What is the point of that? And so some half of our group has left basically. And so our group dissolved. And so That was two months ago. And since that has happened, I've had more opportunities to reach out to different groups and figure out now that I don't have a default group that I do everything with, what are people that 
actually have the same interests as me. And so it's been a good part of growing and learning more about myself. That's huge. Yeah. Our work program functions in that there's 15 of us. We end up placed in all different places, but every six months we get together for this work trip. And there's just always such a tension of we need to travel in a path of 12. And then there's FOMO this, FOMO that. People don't say shit. And then I go off and I'm like, I am sleeping. And that apparently caused a whole stir. And I'm like, dude, we've been hanging out for eight days straight. I don't understand. And from that moment, people started deciding, okay, I'm going to go or not go. And I was like, dude, yeah, we only see each other for this week as well. So I don't know, maybe that puts more pressure on it. But for me, I'm like, no, there's no pressure. But then the perception of how it's taken is very much, oh my God, Shannon, you're just so independent. You just do what you want. You don't care. I also feel people are like one of the biggest important things in my life. So it's so wild, that perception aspect. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, I agree. It's funny that you say that because I've been that person to be like, I don't care. You can think what you want of me, but at the end of the day, if I'm organizing something and we're going out, you're going to join because you want to and you know it. Yeah. If I don't want to go to your, I don't know, pottery class or something, just an example, I yeah. actually do doing pottery, but in case like they're doing something like that and I don't want to go, I'm not going to go. And I'm going to say, nah, that's not my thing. I don't want to do it. For example, they were going to, I forgot what it was, but a couple of people like said in the chat and I was just like, no. <laughs> no, you don't want me around for that. And I think that is actually, it does at some point, like people start to think you don't want to hang out or whatever, but also I'm not afraid to reach out to other people. So yeah, for exactly. me, it's if I say no to something, but then I invite you to something else in my mind, that kind of gives them an impression of, oh, maybe I just don't want to do certain things. And no, that's I'm so here. far worked well for me. <laughs> I've had friends where like, they now know me and I know them. And it's, if I go to the beach, I'll text a certain group. If I go to a trivia night, I'll text a different group. Whatever it is, it's definitely helped me with maximizing my enjoyment. And again, it, yeah, it. I don't care what they think. No, I respect that. <laughs> I think it means that if you're there, you're fully there, which I think is great. But I think that's because we have the shared thing about like intensity, like things need to be the max, this and that, like even max chill, whatever that means, right? And like, if you're not fitting that, like, bye. So yeah, I think it definitely is falls under that intentionality aspect that I think is important to us, but also because we are organizers and stuff. So yeah, if you're the one who's lame all the time saying no and showing up like that, and then also not organizing, like I get it right. But the element of, oh, you don't like me because of this. I'm like, perfect. That means that I've just found a faster way to find what we value. I don't like that either then. So it's like, exactly. win, win, you know? I don't yeah. know. So, yeah, yeah. That, that is very true. And also, it, I think that's a part of, a lot, to bring it back to Troy, a lot of what we did was we have to find something that the whole group likes to do. Because for me, at least, I know that the Troy group was quite a large group of 20, 30 people, maybe, that we would regularly hang out with. And I eventually found it a lot easier to just hang out with like single people or like smaller groups. This is flashback to senior year trip, spring break. Yes, that's what I was thinking. Yes, it's great. Having a fun time. But also, if you guys are going to go hang out and go do something that I don't want to do, I'm not going to enjoy it. And I think I realized this pretty late in my high school situation. But I remember one day I went to 7-Eleven with Inwoo. We literally biked to 7-Eleven. I was like, this is a great day. I'm having a great time. Like, sure, it's just with Inwoo and we're just like chilling. But I prefer this over, oh, the whole group has to go and do something somewhere. So, yeah, I know. 
amazing. Pivoting from lightning round, how motivated do you think you are on meeting new people now versus spending time with friends you already have? I I was I went through a phase of I I don't know. For me, I like to be alone, but I also am super lonely and I hate that, which is such a stupid, ironic, like juxtaposition. But there are times where I love just walking to the park that I have next to me. And it's like an enclosed area and I can just sit on a bench and be in silence. But then there's other times where maybe it's like Thursday night and I'm just sitting on my bed laying there and I'm like, damn, I wish I had something to do right now. And so because of the loneliness, I think there was a time where I tried really hard to reach out and make friends through meetup apps or through whatever the hell else, like groups online or even through the company. But because I think I was forcing it a little too much, none of those really fit me. So I was, I ended up with like in Chicago, right? I had a group of friends that after moving to Seattle, I realized like I didn't like them at all. I just hung out with them because they were friends. They were friends of friends and they went out and that was it. Which for some people, that's enough. That's great for them. But for me, at this point, I've actually learned that if I just do things that I like without the expectation of finding friends or needing friends, people who enjoy the same things will naturally gravitate. Obviously, I have to reach out to people and ask if they want to do things. But once I stopped being like, I need to figure out how to make friends and do some, such things, some of that just came naturally. For example, I put together a group to go to trivia night. And some of us liked it, some of us didn't. And the ones that of us who liked it, we've been going for a while. And we also met more people at Trivia Night, made new friends. Same thing with like skiing, right? We've gone skiing a good amount of time. And just even now, not even while we're skiing, but when we're somewhere else and we're talking about skiing, people are like, oh, hey, bring us on a ski trip next time. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Happy to do that. So yeah, I think naturally if you put yourself out there and you make a good amount of like cognizant of hey these people could be good friends but you're not like oh i want friends i need friends let's go to these let's go to that that has worked better for me at least word big support big support i think that's we're just more confident along the way too yeah i think i'm gonna fuck this meetup group tonight my problem <laughs> is i'm moving every six months i don't know people i need to be very intentional and go through some of the shit of okay that wasn't that fun but i need to i need to still do that right to be able to know but I think I know enough of my activities. So I just show up to groups that are doing activity. And even if I didn't like them, I like the activity. So I don't really care. But I still am very much not meeting new people, yada. And I think so far it hasn't taken away from my existing friends. But I think part of it is because locationally, I'm, I'm like all my friendships are long distance, right? So me hanging out with this isn't directly taking away time from someone who I could be spending time with. But I think once I do settle down, I don't know there'll be definitely more inertia. Um, but sometimes it's the night hours that get to me. During the day, I'm very much, I don't need company all the time because I'm doing stuff I like. And then night hits and something just turns on that, is, I don't know if it's like biological. Like, where's my tribe to keep me alive? I don't know. And if I'm not completely yes. exhausted, which I normally am from the way that I lived my life in high school, college, et cetera. But now not every day is intense like that, right? It doesn't need to be. But then the anxiety that you were talking about at night, it hits. I 100% agree with you. Yeah, that's what I was talking about earlier with anxiety. It's like, especially at night. At some point, it was in college. I've read somewhere or heard somewhere someone say the anxiety of loneliness is crazy because there is like a physical pain associated with it. Where it's for me, it was like something pressing on my chest or just being like 
really constricting almost to the point of like, I have to go out and do something because I'm just so by myself and it sucks. Uh, so yeah, that's totally valid. Like that hits at night. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, yo. How do elders do that? How that actually freaks me out. But thankfully for our generation, I don't think the world would survive that long for us to suffer those pains. So <laughs> maybe that's why. Yeah, well, thankfully is a yeah. What do you think the world would be like in 10 years, 20 years? How optimistic are you about the world and human population? Oof. That that's so I don't for myself, I don't know where I'm gonna be, even like a year from now, two years from now. I haven't really given much thought. That's not true. I've given a lot of thought, but I haven't like there's a part of me that's yes, I want to be doing what I can to make the world a better place. And I think I've done a good amount of that. I'm not like leading anything that will save our species, but it's like I'm doing things, I'm cognizant of how I impact the environment and the people around me. And that I think is, for me, it's, I don't feel guilt about it, about not doing more because I see other people who aren't doing anything. And I'm like, I'm better than them at least. It's a little bit, not a great way of thinking about it, but I'm not very optimistic about it. I'm more of a, I'll do what I can and adapt when the time comes kind of thing. I've been helping out. I do really like giving back to the community. So we do volunteer stuff all the time. And part of that is because I get to get off work a little earlier, but also I do genuinely enjoy it. I do a lot of things of, like I said, I was on a couple of panels just as a speaker, just talking about whatever the hell they wanted me to talk about. Like I'm mentoring a bunch of people. So a lot of my happiness comes from giving back, which while not directly impacting the fate of our future, is it's enough to keep me from thinking about it too much in a negative light, if that makes sense. But yeah, I have no idea, dude. The amount of stuff that's changed over just the past two years, I cannot possibly plan for five years out. I can give a general guideline of what I want to be doing, but I'm not going to do anything that's concrete, no concrete planning, basically. Yeah, I'm super on the same boat, but I do think I am less optimistic about the future, which is why I'm like, oh, I'm just going to live everything and do everything that I want now. And part of it is like just knowing people all across the world, but also like if you are passionate about climate research or business models around that and whatever, I think it's fantastic. That perfectly aligns. I just, I don't know that I've like specifically sought out that many opportunities in that space as well. And I think I would have to do it because I like the day-to-day, not that I think I'm dramatically changing the world, even if you are directly working on that topic. It's always a bit of that Kool-Aid at the end of the day. So whatever, too far down. Yeah, it is very daunting to think of like, how can I change the world? And I, yeah, my thought process is how do I make the world better for somebody else? And that I think is enough for me. Even within work, it's if I leave this team better than the way I found it, or if the next person who comes in has a little bit of an easier time than me. That's how I view it. If it's like, I'm going somewhere and instead of choosing one thing that's not sustainable, I choose another one to help somebody else when they come along next. It's like, that's how I contribute. Yeah, fair enough. Also, my tax refund just came in. And I'm like, holy shit, that was such a hit. I don't know if you're big into talking about investing in IRAs and 401ks. It is. It's actually... a topic that's come up very recently because I've done so one of the things that someone asked me to do was like a panel on like financial literacy for immigrant 
children who are in like high school or early college. And I'm by no means an expert, right? I'm just like there to give my opinion on what my experience was, some tips or tricks and whatnot. But yeah, like the tax thing is huge because my dad, so we technically, because my mom is self-employed, right? We have a tax person that does our taxes for us, which is great. But also that's something that, I don't know, my, my dad's not really financially literate. He's still paying off his house and he's going to be for the next 20 years or whatever until he's 70, 80 years old, which not a great idea. <laughs> but so he messaged me. He was like, oh yeah, you have to pay an extra like $1,900 in taxes this year. I'm like, that's not right. There's no way that's right. I live in Seattle. There's no state tax. I paid all the taxes when I was in Chicago. And so I had to definitely go through that with him and the tax person and be like, what are you doing? But it was also like, yeah, it's financial literacy, definitely important. Bring it back to the very beginning. It's part of why I'm looking into real estate and making investments and such. Interesting. Because I also just got a notification that Robin is matching IRA contributions up to 1%, oh. which I thought is pretty fascinating. And that was right around tax season. So good work on Robin Hood advertising. But yeah, I think a lot of the small decisions we can be making right now as single income people in the 20s have such large impacts in the future. But my only thing is because I have such a dismal view on the future. I'm like, dude, all that money's going to disappear. We're going to die before I'm going to be able to use it. So like, I don't understand what to do. But then at the same time, I don't feel there's like certain things that I want to buy that I don't because of, of money. And I guess part of it is that like, I've never had this amount to spend and that lifestyle inflation that I have here is, I don't know, we'll see in six months how it impacts. That, that's fair. Like, <laughs> It is a little, it is interesting that you bring that up. There is a bit of, you have to buy into the whole retirement account thing. And that, that is a big point of a lot of reason why people sometimes don't trust the system. That's fair. I think more important than what you think of the future is like being able to not have to worry about what you're spending on your entire life, right? Or you decide, right? Whether you want to be investing in things, whether you want a retirement account, you shouldn't be worrying about your finances. Again, this is a hugely like, I'm in such a privileged position to be even saying that, right? But the people that I'm talking to are in similar positions. And if you're in this privileged position, it, it's huge to not constantly be thinking in, about your bank account, looking at things. That comes with financial literacy, budgeting, doing that kind of stuff. And that's, as long as you have that, where you're like, okay, I can spend this amount of money or I can buy this thing comfortably and not have to worry about in the future in 10 years, that money could have been whatever percent more. Because at some point you you can't be thinking like that. You have to enjoy what you have now. So that is fair what you're bringing up. For sure. Word. Yeah, back to this house thing. Is there a certain location you want it? What are the important factors to you? There's a lot of factors that have gone into this. I've put it on the back burner because I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with my life four months from now. I don't know if I want to move. I don't know what job I'm going to be in. But yeah, a lot of it is going to be, I need to have a physical investment of some kind because I feel like that will one, give me some peace of mind and two, also be a good investment in general. If you're talking like real estate, Obviously, location is huge. I want to be in a place that is not going to be a wasteland in, in 20 years. So maybe Seattle is not the best choice for that. But 
Yeah. So there's that. There's also things that come with buying a house. How good is the view? How good is the neighborhood? Stuff like that. Most of it is going to be the financials though. How much can I afford? Should I wait for some more? If I do wait more, what is the trade-off between renting a place and just sucking it up and buying a place? It's a lot, but I do have some friends who are into real estate, some people who have bought and sold houses. So I've been working a lot with them, trying to figure out what they know, what their perspective is. Yeah, there's no right answer. So it's just, yeah, it's pretty crazy. I've had friends that buy condos and stuff around here. It's also fun because they can decorate stuff the way they want to, knowing that it's going to stay there for however long they own the place for. So that's also a part. I like to decorate, which you can't see that, but you know. No, I saw, I noticed. Been very much looking at people's backgrounds. I always just have white. Like I just so not care about that. But it is fascinating to see what people put on. No, I am. What thoughts about this? I am super big on like communal living. Perhaps like big ass mansion, six people, huge place. You design the middle as you want. Everyone has their shared space and friends, significant others. I don't really know it, but I think part of this is oh, I'm just in such an exploring phase. And then financially, it makes so much sense as well. But I don't know, that must be way more complicated than I think it is. But I'm kind of surprised that people don't do that or maybe consider it. But yeah, I think if I were to find a group of people that I really would like to spend, like, because if you're living with somebody, you're spending all the time with them. Obviously, you have your own room and there's like privacy, but it's a different vibe. There's not many people where I'm like, I would live with them for good. Because if you're buying a place with somebody, you're living with them for good. I had my roommates. Linus was a great roommate. I think somebody like him, I could vibe with all the time. Like we're on the same wavelength and uh, yeah, like we don't have any or anything, but then you bring in like a significant other and it's that kind of complicates the friendship a little bit because it's he has to split time between hanging out with her. And then if they're hanging out, what am I doing? I don't know. I think the idea of it is fun, but in reality, just for me, at least living with other people hasn't been the best. Yeah, super fair, super fair. I am surprised by how much I do love living alone, like even without having many friends here. So I think, okay, wait, I think if you were to get an apartment building and everybody had their own apartment, but you had a communal space, that would be cool. It's like dorms, right? Dorms are fun. I had, I yeah, instead of that element of dorm, it's like a mansion. Like everyone could have their own kitchen or whatever. Sure. So yeah, you can be naked in your little unit, but then like you walk out, right? But it's a very clear vision, like my space, whatever. And I think it would be the same thing. You don't just storm in the door. Like it would be like, oh, come over. (laughs) But come over is two minutes away. Yeah, I could see that. That could be a lot of fun. If there's, uh, yeah, if there's enough separation that I could, if I wanted to go a whole week without seeing anybody, then it's sure, why not? Mm, So like own garage door and shit. All right, that's going to require much more money. That would be second iteration of communal living. Maybe not. If I don't have to talk to anybody, I could see them. I could walk past whatever. But yeah, yeah. there are definitely times here where I'm like, I'm going to disconnect, not talk to anybody for a while. A lot of times that happens when I'm on my work trips because it's like super easy to just be like, I don't know anybody in this place. So I'm going to just explore by myself and do my own thing. I do like my own space a little bit too much, I think. Fair enough. All right. So three things that you can't live without besides the necessities. Okay. Number one, I'm looking at right now, probiotic. So last year I got COVID and after COVID, I was diagnosed with like post-viral IBS. And 
that has been so annoying. I can't drink coffee anymore without it just destroying my system. In more generally is okay. Like I can have an energy drink once in a while, but yeah, it's not been a great time. I love spicy food and spicy food is a little bit sensitive to me now. So I have to live off this probiotic. Luckily I get it off Amazon and it's not a huge deal, but sometimes when it gets really bad, I have to go to a pharmacy or a grocery store that has the live ones that are in the fridge or whatever. I feel like an old man, but definitely can't live without it. It's there. The other things, let's see. I heard you ask this question to other people and I was thinking because I travel so much, what I can't live without is literally in that suitcase. So I'm like going through that suitcase. And I think the other thing is, might sound weird, but like my skincare routine. So I've <laughs> recently in college, I got into skincare and stuff because actually I was like, my mom like looks nothing like a 60 year old woman. So it's like, I want to look like that when I'm 60 years old. So it's super important to to take care of yourself. I have the extra time and money to be able to do that. And yeah, it helps not too hard. Just clean your face and put some sunscreen and moisturizer on. It's not that big of a deal. And then the last thing there's literally, I could live with such so little, but I think Amazon prime has saved my life so many times. Little plug there, but uh, yeah, I cannot tell you because my life here is so genius to combat the whole like Seattle freeze thing. I just make plans last minute and be like, Hey, do you have something to do? Do you want to do something that I want to do? And it's like, yes, no, on the spot, we're going to do it. And so it's like, all right, tomorrow I'm hosting a party. You can come. And so I'm like, shit, it's a theme party. I don't have like, for example, it was somebody's like golden birthday or something. And we were like, okay, we have to dress in gold. I don't own gold things, but like I go on amazon.com and I'm like gold pants. Sure. We'll do that. And then, so it comes in a day and the next day I show up. I'm like, yeah, I had this the whole time. No, it's Amazon prime. And I've been spoiled because I live in Seattle and we have a lot of things that can literally arrive at my door the same day. And it's, I, a lot of the times I put off grocery shopping until I really have to, cause I can buy a lot of things off of Amazon fresh, or I guess it's not Amazon prime. And no, I don't get free Amazon Prime, so I am paying for it, which is a little, uh, yeah. a little bitter about that one, eh? That's okay. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I was waiting for the Amazon Prime. Makes sense. Good plug. <laughs> cool. Any content recommendations? Yeah, so there's the book that I was talking about. It really changes how I approach my friendships and my relationships and what I view to be like a worthwhile conversation to have it's called how to win friends and influence people. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it, I think it's pretty popular at this point, but yeah, it's a lot about managing communication in a way that doesn't alienate people. So I think for us, for me, in my experience in college, a lot of people that I surrounded myself with were logical thinking people, right? People that are in engineering or even in business, like the way that they talk and try to have an argument is very much, oh, these are the facts. This is true. That is false. This is the way that you have to think about it. And it's like, you, while that makes sense logically, it doesn't make sense emotionally, right? It's not, you're not going to win a friend over because you're like, oh, I'm right. You're wrong. Yes, you can prove it. Sure. But at the end of the day, I don't like you because you proved me wrong. And so approaching that differently while still being able to get your point across is something that is very difficult. It's definitely a skill and I have found it to be very helpful in my personal life and my professional life. It goes hand in hand with professionalism, especially for the generation of kids that are now going into the workforce. They don't have that. It's 
insane how unprofessional some of these people are. Like one of the people that I'm mentoring, I was given the the feedback that this person came in swing, right? They're trying to change things. This is a person who's 22 years old trying to tell 40 year old people what to do. That's not going to go well. And especially if they're not open to criticism. Yeah. So that's a good content recommendation. I also, I don't know, podcasts are fun. There's random science ones. I don't have a specific one, but just like listening to something while I'm cooking or on a commute or something just to learn about something random. It's always good. Amazing. Anything else you want to share with the world for today? The world. Mm-hmm. 10 listeners. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess just go out and do things. Just whether it's, I think once a week, I try my best to be like, if I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to do something. Like once a week, I'll be like, all right, just get up and do something. It doesn't matter if it's something like walking down the street, do it. <laughs> you know, like anything is better for me. I have a problem with doing things though. It's so interesting you say that. Huh? I feel like you don't have a problem with doing things though. Interesting. You I'm very lazy. If I let myself get comfortable, I will be very comfortable and then I won't grow. I think that's been a huge part of my rotational program is realizing that if I'm perfectly comfortable... I'm not like learning things and growing things, which is like, not to say don't be comfortable, right? Obviously you can be comfortable in certain things, but also be uncomfortable in like certain aspects of your life. It definitely takes a bit of pushing to get me out of bed these days, but it's a little bit of a combination of, I live in a half bedroom is what they call it. Basically my bedroom is no door, right? It's like a half wall separating it. So it's so easy for me to just be like, all right, I'm working, finish work and just go lie down and take a nap or whatever. So saying, no, don't do that. Go and see if someone wants to hang out or just go do something is, it's been big for keeping myself active and learning and yeah. Word. Big support of that. Cool. This was very nice. Thank you for spending yep, all the fun. time and sharing so openly. Sure, yeah. Which, yeah, what episodes have you listened to? How did it feel being the one saying versus hearing? Ooh, I don't know. Let me go through the list then. I listened to Ricky's. I listened to Tyler's because I know them. It was very interesting listening to Tyler's. I haven't caught up with him for a while. So like listening to everything that he's gone through is really cool. And then let's see. Hannah, obviously the people that we know. So Hannah and Wu, I've listened to those ones. Rohini, a couple of your other friends. I don't know. Not too many, but like I was, because during, because you, you messaged me what, like last week? So instead of putting on a science podcast when I was on my commute, I just put on yours. <laughs> oh yeah. Very cool. fun. Good shit. Yeah, I enjoy it. Do you have any plans for, I'm sure you have a lot of friends, but at some point you have to run out of people that you can talk to. Are there plans to go back and repeat or have two people at once on a podcast? Yes. Both of those ideas, for sure, at some point. And I think I'll run out of people, but I think maybe definition of friend will just be looser. Maybe I'll interview people that I get close with here in a year and I'm not in their daily lives. Maybe I've never even seen them, right, since I left Brazil, but then I can chat with them. I think doing it also in Portuguese is the goal. If I can get my language skills in that in six months, oh, that would be legendary. I think age variety as well. So this weekend I'm chatting with my cousin who's high school senior, high school oh. junior. I Tyler is still in that age group. Gracie, who I used to coach in basketball and teach SAT, whatever. So them, but also one of my other work colleagues, right? probably my Sao Tome Airbnb host who we got close to at some point. So I feel like, yeah, I've run out of my like hometown college friend, but 
hopefully then I can just get different people on there. And I so want to put Hannah and Yoon as my first duo. But Yoon, oh, be fun. Yoon doesn't even want to do his episode. So I don't know. Any words to Yoon? Yeah, I'll do my best Yoon impression. This feels like we're making a video for his engagement. Yeah, I come in. My Yoon impression is just like, Shannon Lynn! <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> What's up, bitch? And then you go on. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. Yoon hasn't been very responsive of wanting to be on here, but we'll have to convince him somehow. I think, what else would you do? What other styles? I also want to host a podcast party at some point. So, host this rotational mm-hmm. program, just get a massive place for a month, just live there for a month, have eight bedrooms for people to come whenever they're free of me. I think that would be so much fun, but that's quite a while away. <laughs> That'd be pretty sick, yeah. I think you said Heywon interviewed you already, so you yeah. did that one already. Okay. The only thing I was very good about articulating or whatever. There were some things I would have wanted to talk more or less about, but yeah. yeah. That's why I'm so impressed with all my friends and you just being able to say it and feel good. Because I'm like, damn, I don't feel that way about myself. But it it helps knowing that you can edit things, you know, it's not yeah. live. <laughs> sure. uh, Even if I'd I be made more it than... live, the chance that someone tunes in live is so little. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think you could have that as a special. I think a good amount of friends would tune in. I'd listen. If it was like yeah. live, it'd be fun. I think I want to do a live Ask Me Anything Zoom session at some point, but we'll see. That doesn't seem as fun as a podcast party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Podcast party would be fun. Yeah. If you want to. I think. Like you and your brother debate about something. <laughs> I was going to say, I think my brother and your brother would be fun to have. Together. I, I would want to. really don't know not, each other. We're just like. Not together. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> no not together but i want to hear what your brother has to say and then like you were saying i'm wondering what my brother's experience how it differs from mine yeah and i feel like if i were to ask the questions it wouldn't be as real as if you were to ask questions <laughs> like, i still think we would censor things but that would be interesting at some point we need to get like groups of friends on i think it'd be cool i don't know in terms of podcasts, I'm thinking like content-wise, right? You want people that were good friends and get each other's perspective on what the friendship was, what they got out of it. Yeah. Agreed. And then people who had problems with each other, I think would be so cool. Because yeah. right now, we're at a point where high school doesn't matter anymore. I don't think anybody, from my point of view, nobody was like, oh, I hate this person. I'm never talking to them again. But there yeah. definitely were conflicts, right? And well, the, really, like among the guys, I, really I feel like literally anything. among the girls, zero conflict. Could be so chaotic having Troy people on one Zoom call and trying to record for a podcast. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that'd be a good idea. I have to like point out people to be like, mute, unmute. <laughs> what are the conflicts? I want more tea. I feel like I didn't see any conflict. Off the top of my head, I don't really know, but there were definitely relationship drama. And if you, oh, we could interview exes. That would be cool. Like, I wasn't super into all the drama and stuff, but you could ask you and he would know everything. That's true. Yeah, just have you just come up with a bunch of (laughs) Okay, see, my thing with exes, I feel like I would want both people to be single. I feel there were more webs of dating, but none of that I feel like was dating. Like, would we even consider them exes? And we'll leave it at that cliffhanger for now. Wesley Chu, everyone. See you on the next episode of Who Let the Dogs Out, a podcast where I chat life with cool people doing awesome things.